What's good, everybody? Welcome to Three Educated Brothers, a podcast about all things education through the experiences of three black men in the field. My name is Gladstone. My name is Ed, y'all. My name is Mark. And we here. We're glad to have y'all here. Before we dive into the episode today, I do feel the need to acknowledge that in the New Year's resolution episode, I had mentioned that with the use of like and um on this podcast, I would add a dollar to the liberation donation, uh, if y'all remember. And I was listening back to the episode that we had previously, and the amount of times I said like or um, I probably could have published a small, a short story. <laughs> so, you know, I got to hold myself accountable. And right here, I have a $20 bill that I will put into the liberation donation because I said like or um at least 20 times, at least. So... Now that we have that on the table. And before you make it all about you, I think it's important to <laughs> hope that our listeners um, had a chance to catch up on our past episodes. We, we took a week off, you know, Regents Prep, uh, yeah. teaching college classes, uh, and living life and taking care of ourselves. So yeah, we're back yeah, on it, yeah, and we yeah. hope to be more consistent, and we, we're back on the grind. Back on the grizzly. What up, what up? So what we about to do right now, we about to hop into the margin of blackness. And it's a, it's, it's a segment where we, um, before we enter a conversation, we unload um, what we've been going through and our experiences as black men, just a place to be open and authentic. Yeah, yeah. So, my, my, last so my margin of blackness, <laughs> I got, uh, uh, I, had, I, I had an interview um, for an organization, you know, uh, was interested in the work that I was doing. And what's coming up for me after... The interview was done. I was in my most authentic self, um, and I got the draft sent to me. And I just didn't like the way I was depicted. I felt like it was I was sort of depicted in this whole like the rags and riches of a black man story. I was in, I was a high school student. Mm. Um, I said a lot. It was the truth, yeah. but I felt like the way it was it was written, the way it was published, it was like that that narrative of a black man right. didn't was lost, but now he's found. And thank you to this institution for making them so. Um, made a way for him, you yeah. know? So me being who I am, um, I actually sent it to Ed, and then I was like, I went back to the drawing board, and I edited, I edited it, like, for lack of a better word, OD. I took mm. out, <laughs> I took out sections, <laughs> right, and like, right, right. replaced words, like, I didn't like the word, the, the way that the writer used minority, and I put, black man, underline, black man, or person of color. Right, right. Um, so I wanted to say, like, you know, that that made me feel that the way, you know, when it comes to an interview, I learned, right, that you need to really focus on what your message is. No matter what they try to try to pinhole you, not that she was trying to do that, but to focus on your message and mm-hmm. that you have your idea what you want to come across. So show me the power that people can have with the pen if you're not, if you're not in control of the pen, no matter how educated you are. Yeah. You know, I, I think with, with that, it's, it's important. Like, you know, your story is your story, right? Yeah. And, and you, we all have beautiful stories, but it also depends on the context which, which people or institutions try to depict our stories. Which right, right, right. changes the whole, the intentionality around, mm-hmm. around sharing your story. You know, Absolutely. which is why I, I choose to stay guarded up. Stay guarded up. Yeah, man. Yeah. Safe, safety. Mug. Safety, man. Because yeah. you never know how they're going to try to perceive you out here in these streets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Appreciate you for sharing. I'm going to hop into my margin of blackness as well. I was just thinking about the, the past couple months. Um, I've been learning about myself more than I ever have. I feel like I'm looking in the mirror and, and seeing myself for the first time in 25 years, you know. And it's just making me realize that we need to understand that 
we've been programmed from birth to believe that we won't be happy with certain things or certain people from birth society and culture teach us that we need to be happy and in order to be happy we need money we need power success approval good reputation friendship love god whatever it may be and that we set out to acquire these precious things and we're taught to cling on to it once acquired and fight every possibility of losing it and with all of this you know tension and and anxiety that comes around the thought of losing it you can lose yourself Mm -hmm. and i feel like i over you know for for a couple situations that were happening i was losing myself in the other person or losing myself in the other thing where it's like you know i didn't i wasn't realizing the happiness that resided within me and how to cultivate that happiness and so you know, as as I sit down and, you know, as we engage in our, our form of healing, I take that with me. You know, I take I take those lessons with me. There's a book by Anthony DeMello called The Way to Love, and he talks about that idea of attachment and the ways in which in order to truly love something or someone, you need to acknowledge that without their presence, you have all happiness and all, all existing, you know, um, pleasure within you. And then that allows for you to love that thing more because you can acknowledge that without it, you know, there's no there's no anxiety of losing it. It's just pure bliss, you know. Yeah, and what I hear you saying is like, you know, you get to love yourself first. Mm-hmm. Makes me think that like in February we need like a a black man love episode. Mm. That's coming. That, that, I'm with that. That, that might be coming into the work soon. I'm with that. Um, but yeah. Uh, in terms of our topic today, you want to uh, put us on Pat real quick? Yeah, yeah. So the topic for the day is for the culture. We're going to talk about for the culture, what the culture is, who created the culture, is it even created. Uh, This culture, I mean, this episode kind of was sparked out of a Facebook post that uh, Brother Ed had posted, you know, probably three months ago or something like that. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, just asking, asking, you know, the friends and acquaintances and, and far beings that we know on Facebook about what for the culture means can to I, them. Can I ask real quick, why did you even post that question? I saw it. I mean, I, I, ain't, I ain't really respond. I, just, I, I, I read the thread. It was, it was good. I was just curious. Yeah, curious. I, I was curious right. to see, you know, I wanted to know what other people thought. Um, as I was working on some of my projects, I went to like you know hit up the community and see what they thought. Yeah, you, know, yeah. the, you know the ideas that you know for the cult for the culture. It we all know what for the culture means, right? Do we? We, we all have our own individual <laughs> depictions of or perceptions of what for the culture means. But I kind of wanted to reach out to the community before I formed. Right. Um, and you got you some know. good responses. You got, my, you got like yeah, 20. my own definition. Yeah. Yeah. And from that, you were able to kind of build a definition from the community, also from your own thoughts. You know. So when we talk about do it for the culture, I, I think it's I think we can all agree that, you know, the term for the culture was a term coined by black America and made popular by the Atlanta rap trio of the Migos, right? Um and it, the idea when we talk about for the culture means that, you know, we have to carry out a specific action, right? So, you know, kind of my, my definition in the work that I'm working on right now is that for the culture means engaging in an act no matter how big or small, with the intention of pushing our culture forward. And I think a, a big part when we talk about doing it for the doing it for the culture is that those who are doing it for the culture Right, I think we understand that that we are part, we are not part of dominant culture, and now I don't mean that to say that you know that we want to be part of dominant culture, but we just understand the reality and the, of, of society of how it is. But the beautiful thing of doing of doing it for the culture is that we're, we're always reinventing, um, that we're always on our toes, that we're mm-hmm. always you know changing and reimagining our culture, which I think is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I hear you saying too, I'm, I imagine like. Because culture we often define it as like a distinct way of living, right. right? But for the culture is the actual term created by 
us and kind of for us, created right. by the Migos group. So it's actually a thing, like capital F, right, 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 capital C for the culture, right. And ways, mm-hmm. which is, what I hear you saying is like another ways we imagined ways to be creative to push mm-hmm. our culture forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does mm-hmm. what does actually forward actually forward, mean? I mean, it's like it's like FUBU, right? Yeah. It's like forwards by us. So yeah. what like especially in our in our current political climate, right? Mm-hmm. So like what do we like understanding? I think you know I truly believe that over the last like maybe three or four years. Um, forever, but I think hy- over the last three years is a hyper. Uh, we're hypersensitive to um, the political climate, people of color, right? Um, for many, for many issues, you know, people getting, you know, murdered, young men of color getting murdered in the streets. Um, for you know, forty-five who's president right now for a lot of different reasons, but you know, it's important to do it for our culture because it's important to to, to still recognize that right. you know we are oh, we this. I don't think there's anything there's, there's a such thing as perfect, right? Yeah. We're always continuing to work on ourselves and, and what are we doing to become better as people, hmm. right? What are we doing to to push each other to be better people? Um, and ultimately, as a culture, what are we doing to refine our culture so our culture is benefiting everybody yeah. who identifies as that culture? And just to add, too, when I think of the word forward, yeah. I think to drive the culture forward is also a call to be seen. That in spaces that we aren't really recognized, yeah. mm. to drive something forward yep. is to say, like, hey, and some was even invisible, yep. but driving it forward is like, yo, here we are, yeah. present right. day, and we are here and doing, right. the, doing the shit well. Right, right, right. right so, right. like, yo, we're doing it for the culture. We're going to come occupy that space. Right. You know what I mean? And it's it's a benefit for our culture. So right, like right, right. people of color occupying spaces that have been traditionally, you know, for white people. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You talk about, you know, higher education, um, doctoral programs, right. uh, you know, different fields of medicine, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. And and all and all um almost walks of life in terms of the media, right, 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 right. classrooms, right? Like we are here more than ever. Right. So I think that like we have people in those spaces driving it forward. Right. And also we have some people because I think I think like a pendulum, right? It goes mm-hmm. forward as the backward, right, right? right? So we have people that are driving it forward, and have some people, you know, have, yeah, are, are are maybe not purposely unconscious. I don't know, but it's also we'll talk about driving that. it back as well. Absolutely, right, 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 absolutely. And that's huge. I mean, I feel like the element that you're bringing up of for the culture excluding the dominant perspective. I remember reading some of the comments that mm-hmm. were on your thread, and it just reminded us of you know where everybody is on their journey but you know I feel like that part was overlooked you know there's for the culture in this context if we're not acknowledging that it was it was made popular you know the literal definition of for the culture is for doing something for a culture that you you know that you align with but you can't take it out of the context of through which it was created, through hip-hop, through um, oppressive environments where you persevere. You can't take it out of that because you look at other sayings like, it's lit. Like, it's lit obviously literally means that something would be on fire. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it has a different meaning, a nuanced meaning that, that we share and we, you know, move forward with. And so having a conversation around for the culture, we, we need to acknowledge that element of... The culture being what, what that saying even was born out of, right. you know. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the comments that, um, you know, I was on that was on the page. Yeah, I was about like October first, and like for example, Clifton Johnson was saying, "For the culture is dependent on the culture one identifies with. It's essentially speaking about an act or service that it used to maintain, contribute to, or move the culture forward." Um, that's one example, you know, Justin Lopez, and, and it's, it's plenty here, um, but it seems like everyone here, all three of us, mm-hmm. agree with this idea that it is something 
that's created by people of color that drives um, not the, not only the culture but the way that we, that we just live and mm-hmm. be and our culture be seen forward yeah. um, representation um, in a lot of spaces. And I'm sure historically we can think of so many people who's done uh, so much work and it was for the culture. Yeah. So I think the idea has existed like generationally, mm-hmm. but now it has this name that's like it comfortably kind of paints this image for for us in, in a sense like that too. But I think it's, I think what you were saying. It, now especially mm-hmm. it's like a thing almost yeah, you know? yeah. I mean it's, it's you know I look at for the culture kind of a, a call to action mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know you talk about people of color right a call to action like, yo, what, yo what are we doing understanding the reality that we're in right that we've been in what are you doing to push our culture forward what right. are you doing for the people who are just like you um, who are probably you know who want to who want to be in, in, in different spaces who mm-hmm. who want to have different experiences what are we doing as as people at the forefront as kind of a like i think you know we're kind of adults in this era yeah. um where there are a lot of like youth who are yeah. who are becoming very social political mm-hmm. you know what are what, what is the generation doing to kind of push the gates open mm-hmm. right for mm-hmm. the culture so like you know it's kind of like what are we doing for the people who are coming after us yeah. right type of thing and so like reallocating the resources that we were able absolutely. to absolutely yeah. as as opposed to being like you know the the old the, you know the kind of like the 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 perception of like you know, I, I would say it's in hip hop. I would say it's in, it's in, it's in urban communities, yeah. right? It's like yo, I'm gonna get rich and I'm gonna bounce, I'm gonna leave the hood, right, you know, right, right. That brain drain effect, yeah. The, mm-hmm. You know, like for the cultures, like yo, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna try to I'm gonna make it, yeah. and I'm gonna stay in my community to support other people who are who are working to who want to work towards quote unquote making it as well. So can we like um I think it's only right that but like we talk about it in, a, in an abstract or we give us the definition like can we like uh, give some examples yeah, of I mean, what for the culture actually looks like maybe not media today right, like everybody's right, right. like yo that's person doing it for the culture what makes it what makes that person what is that what is that person actually doing with their craft to yeah. drive it drive the culture forward I mean we could talk about what people who don't do it for the culture right now yeah. right so, <laughs> right because right, I think for every force there's, a, there's an opposing force yeah, right? Right. so like who so you have these like culture vultures right. I feel like in a sense who, who try to drive the culture right. forward my question is though too before we talk about that can someone that's not of the culture like drive the culture like back I don't know when you just asked that I'm thinking mm-hmm. of Iggy Azalea she was not of the culture, but she, I feel like she just drove herself back. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that she had an impact on the culture itself because, you know, with culture, you, there's a level of like appreciation that individuals can have. And like Iggy made her career off of kind of, you know, building off the backs of those who, you know, uh, pioneered hip hop. Mm-hmm. But she didn't, you know, I think that she was called out about not supporting, like, any Black Lives Matter initiatives or, you know, what what does she actually do for the culture other than benefit off of it, that's, you that's, know? That's, and that's super important, right? I mean, you know, what I really think, you know, I have no problem with with the white artists or, you know, white hip-hop artists or, in general, who, 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 um, who advertise, like, who, who, who have black consumers, right? right, right. This period, right? Like Justin Timberlake. You rock with Post right, Malone, for, for example, we're not even there yet, right? <laughs> but the, what, where, where it becomes problematic is that, you know, if you understand and you intentionally market and advertise mm-hmm. um, to, to black consumers and you understand that, you know, there are many people of color who are consuming whatever art form you're, 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 you're exhibiting, right, or whatever you're doing, if you're selling something, whatever, right, and you notice consciously, right, and you're about that. So you're making a conscious and intentional act to advertise and, to black consumers, but when issues of social justice that affect black people and people of color arrive and you're mm-hmm. silent, that's super problematic, right? Yeah. Because, like, all right, it's cool. Y'all good enough so I can take y'all money. Mm. 
right? Mm. But y'all not good enough for me to kind of advocate for y'all. I saw, when you bring that up, I, this past weekend I was over on Malcolm X and 125th at Jimmy Jazz, and I was out there and I was just taking pictures and there was an artist that was trying to sell his work outside of the store and he called me over and he was just saying how, you know, he was like, you know, I was wearing my Malcolm X hat, so he was like, I, t- I can tell you're a woke brother, whatever. He's like, what's whatever. up, brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, what's up, my kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure you put the glasses on? <laughs> <laughs> but in that conversation, he was saying how, you know, he's out here every day not doing anything but positive, you know, positive vibes, having, have, trying to sell his mixtape. And he'll have people walk by him, like tourists from different countries, from different neighborhoods, gentrifiers, walk by him, who is kind of the epitome of, of the culture in Harlem. They'll walk by him, walk straight into Jimmy Jazz, and come out with hip-hop clothing, mm-hmm. as some would call it, right? Mm-hmm. And walk straight out. And, like, that level of appropriation was just baffling to see. Because he would call people out, like, you know, because they would walk by him and act like he wasn't a, he wasn't a real human being. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, we, we see it all the time, right? I mean, we see it all the time. The term culture vultures, coined by people of color, too. Mm-hmm. It's an important term. They're people who take advantage of the culture um, and don't contribute back, yeah. right? Right. Uh, this, this is what we're talking about. Like, you know, if we, we can talk about in academia. We could talk about in society. In academia, you got this whole hip-hop ed movement, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I truly think is a beautiful mu- movement. I, I, I'm a, I identify as a hip-hop pedagogue. I do a lot of research in hip-hop and education. But there are folk who, folks who are out there trying to give hip hop ed talks or trying to do hip hop ed work who don't necessarily who I would argue don't necessarily understand the culture, right? Mm. Or who are trying to coin hip hop ed just for like strictly just to strictly profit off of it. Right, right, right. right. And for somebody who is like who I, who identifies as like hip hop, right? Investment. And who is an educator Right, it's that I find that extremely problematic and dangerous. Those who are able mm-hmm. to navigate the jargon yeah. of, you know, and the theory of it's, certain it's, elements, yeah. but you know, their their ramifications, they project a different. Yeah, you know, it's, not, it's not it's not authentic, right? And we could talk about similar to you know the Black Boy Joy, like all all of these fads, um, and um, you know, like kind of dances that go viral, right? I'm not saying that white people can't can't participate in it, but when white people are engaging in it and they're the ones who who kind of get the shine, right, get right. the quote unquote credit for it, you know, that's super problematic as well because like, yo, we like we know where this came from, but so why are people who did not who did not who did not create this this fad or this this viral sensation, why are they getting credit? Mm-hmm. Right? And and that's also problematic. You know, we talk about post Malone. Wait, and I was trying to pull this up, right? Post Malone said something to the effect like, you know, if you want to, if you want to experience a emo- deep emotion, right? Um, you know, listen to Bob Dylan. Don't listen to hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, something to that effect. And Post Malone has like two of the top like five hip hop songs, right? Um, for the last couple of months now, right? And for somebody who has two, he identifies as a hip hop artist. His music is obviously in the hip hop category. Mm-hmm. Is saying that you know he doesn't feel emotion, or he's like, kind of like you know saying don't listen to hip hop music if you want to feel this. It, it, it's super problematic because like you know you're engaging in this art form. You're 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 promoting your 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 art towards people of color who are the consumers. But then you're gonna turn around and be like, yo, I'm making this hip hop stuff, but don't listen to hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and those are people who I identify as culture vultures who yeah. are not benef- who are not per- who are not contributing to the culture. They're 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 actually doing the opposite, right? They they may be contributing to the culture in, in their way, 
but they're they're ultimately benefiting for the, benefiting from, from the culture, and people who are part of the culture are not benefiting. Well, I think it's simple. Well. It's, it's uh, appropriation. Absolutely right. Uh, like, I'm, I, and, and I really don't want the episode to focus on like the Katy Perry's, mm-hmm. the Miley Cyrus's, and, that? Like, things like that. Like, I don't want to do. I I rather focus on the people that's doing the work. Yeah. I like, call it the work. Who's driving the culture forward? Right. So, right. What's right. so for example, we have like, um, I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, my, my girlfriend got me watching this show like Crazy Blackish, mm. right? The Very show in its existence, yeah. everyone on the show is driving the culture forward. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the 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 family, so stable, right? You got the woman who's a doctor. Um, and then you got the brother who's in the media field, right? right? Like, like the, the 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 oldest daughter went to college. The twins are geniuses, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in every aspect of life, right? Like that represents black culture. Like you get to see yourself on that TV screen and have a laugh, have a laugh moment. But also in every segment in there, there's a little bit of history in there. Mm-hmm. They got a mass incarceration in there, yeah. affirmative action in there. Like they're teaching us, right, you know. Right. In some ways, that the Bill Cosby show didn't. That's a different show. But um, but yeah. So like <laughs> the black, like the dynamic of family represented in Blackish. Yeah. Like we could talk about a whole episode could be based on right. on that. But I think the Blackish is definitely driving the culture forward. Mm-hmm. And you know what makes Blackish so such a good example is that. You know, we, we rarely, rarely do we see, rarely has our generation, rarely has our generation seen a, a, a positive, stable black family on, on primetime television. Right. Right. And, and that's why it's for the culture, because we haven't been in that space in such a long time. Right? And pushing against the norm in that regard, when you think of, uh, when you think of Get Out and the... Um TSA agent, I forget what his what, yeah, like yeah, Lil no, Rel, but yeah. I forget what his name was yeah. in, the, in the movie. But you know, I feel like Blackish is also serving the role of as as a viewer. You know, they're saying the exact thing that you would want to hear. Yeah. You know, they, not only are they manifesting it in in their physical presence, but you know the 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 way that they're engaging it's with the topics yeah. is real like, authentic. You can watch that show and be like, "Yo, I do the same exact thing." That's actually real, right? 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 right. Like, especially as a, as a black professional. You know, like it's relatable. They're not poor, right? Right? Like yeah. it's not like on some like so it, 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 it's, it's definitely relatable, right? Yeah. So who who else? Who else? Um, we got uh, we got Ava DuVernay, right? Who directed what the thirteenth? Um, did she direct the New Jim Crow too? She wrote. She wrote. She, she wrote the New Jim Crow. No, no, uh, oh, shout out. Out. wow! Wow! Hold on! Whoa, 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 whoa. But, but Ava Apologies. DuVernay. No, that's all good. But Ava DuVernay does a, like you know her work. Her art and cinematography and, and, and directing, mm-hmm. I would I would argue, um, is is a big step forward as as a black woman in the field um, that's not populated by many people of color. Um, but just her work, her cinematography, the way that she, she kind of tells her stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch um, Queen Sugar, and it's, it's just a powerful story of a black family from New Orleans just going through you know going through um, this racial injustice, um, struggling with privilege, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it's beautiful to see her in that space doing something positive and, and, and depicting people of color in such a positive yeah. light, mm-hmm. right? You know, showing the struggles that we may have, but also showing us um, in, in a positive light, you know, in terms of, like, family, in terms of community. Right. Um, it's, very, it's very well-rounded. It's, it's a beautiful show. I think all the work, a lot of the work that she does is, is great work. And not only that, the fact that she actually linked up, apologies about Michelle, getting Michelle Alexander, everything makes up, black women doing both, both great work, but everything has also, like, Linked up and clicked up with Jay Z to commit to do some of his videos. Yeah, she does as well. So like, video. so like now yeah, we got Jay Z yeah. 
mm-hmm. who's also doing it for the culture and arguably hooking up with a black woman right. who's right, right, uh, right. To, get, to get the visual popping, right. um, which is dope too. Um, and then Jay-Z obviously for the culture because like, and watching his interview, my man is coming out and divulging his like personal, his personal right. experiences like to millions of people, not only through his, not only through like the music, the audio, but to see him on stage, like and some of these acting obviously too, but to divulge that over and over again, mm-hmm. and talk about like Yo, I'm in therapy now, right. and like I realize like as a, as a um, him as a black man who's obtained so many things, mm-hmm. said like you know what I'm in a stage of my life where it's not about these things, but it's about the, about real connections between people. The that's real. The so like him being vulnerable as a black man is definitely do for the culture because it makes it okay. For other black men to like, mm-hmm. you know, if Jay Z's doing it too, you know, I can as well. Absolutely. And his his for the culture is on just it, like a crazy amount of levels. Yeah. In terms of you know the the knowledge that he's providing, in terms of investing your money, the right. knowledge that he's like uh, for his song "Bomb Bomb." Yeah. Like he went to Jamaica and was talking with Sister Nancy and right. giving her shine. You know what I mean? Like that's a way that you can. Yep. You can you can take from a culture and not appropriate. It's it's by highlighting that culture, showing the roots, the origins of that culture. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's what that's what I love about hip hop, mm-hmm. right? Because in hip hop, we talk about the, the art of sampling, right? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. art of sampling is like, yo, if somebody samples your music, it's yeah. like people are like, oh, you copying it, yeah. but like it's it's really like paying homage, right? Right, right, right. It's like yo, except for Drake and like Chris Brown, because they they I would argue that they don't necessarily do it. To pay homage to like Afro Caribbean music. I mean, that, that, there's a whole problem, but you know, there's there, there are different arguments with the whole. I don't know about Chris Brown, but the whole Drake thing because you know Toronto's a melting pot. Um, yeah. Toronto's super Caribbean. Yeah. Um, but like and I'm not saying making... I'm not saying that you know Drake is 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 somebody, somebody who, from Caribbean descent, but maybe he growing in the space. I don't know, but I, I do understand. Yeah. I, I do understand what you're talking about. But you know, we talk about you know hip hop, the art of sampling, paying homage, and like not not saying like yo I created this but like you know somebody created this for me maybe they're not as popping right now but yeah. let me go back and let me show you guys it's like the I think it's the, the educating right you know right. of the masses is which which what, that's what Jay did because mm-hmm. back in the day they'd be like yo you know I, yeah it's a sample I'll pay the check for the sample mm-hmm. but we will never know you know who's really behind that. That, right. that sample right, right, right. or that that piece of art, and that's not too far removed from. There's a lot of conversation now about the up and coming rappers and their lack of acknowledgement to the yeah. OGs yeah. in the game. You know, yeah, we have some issues of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, and I think that not like we have like people driving the culture forward, but like there's organizations too. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, for example, Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, located in um, you know Harlem, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about research in black culture and research library of the of uh, New York Public Library, and it's basically focused on. You know, people of African descent worldwide. So, mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. the Schomburg in its existence mm-hmm. is doing it for the culture by having a space specifically for us and by us to represent us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And we we've mentioned a couple, you know, athletes. We mentioned LeBron. We mentioned uh, Steph Curry. You know, Kaepernick, of course. We always. I feel like there's this nuance in the conversation of pushing the culture forward in which we also need to acknowledge that, you know, the individuals that sometimes are put on in the limelight or that we, um, you know, put their opinions in the highest regard are also not ones that have necessarily, you know, navigated these conversations or like, you know, had had the deep uh, studies of black culture or cultural appropriation, because oftentimes, you know, with with um, the kneeling at games and with, you know, just we expect players to 
be able to articulate such such intricate conversations and sometimes we don't acknowledge that one you know they in many circumstances they you know played one year in college and then went straight to the league you know it's like we we prioritize their 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 ability to play the sport and then expect them to be able to speak on all social issues. Yeah, you know, I feel like they're they're broken just like the rest of us. And sometimes because it brings up the conversation of like when we were talking about um, the Cosby show, it's like there's the culture that was created from the Cosby show. And then there's Bill Cosby. And with everything that came up with Bill Cosby, that kind of tarnished his reputation. But how, you can't take away the impact that the Cosby show had on me as a child. You know what I mean? The culture lives on. Right. Mm. Yeah, you know, and we're talking about, you know, for the culture, and I, I really want people to, to really understand that when we talk about for the culture, we're not only talking about people of color. You know, I don't think all people of color are the only people who can do it for the culture mm. or who can push the culture forward. Mm. I think it's not only individuals. You know, I, I think they're also they're, they're social groups, Black Lives Matter, oh, yeah, um, organi- yeah, yeah. organization, Black Teacher Project. You know, all of that, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, new, um, NYC Men Teach, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Nine Core, all we, that. Yeah, we got to go, go run through the whole list. But there are also um, people who are not a part of our culture who can also contribute to our culture, right? Mm. Which, is, which is something I kind of want to focus on, too, right? Because we're talking about the field of education, which is, you know, majority um, populated by pe- white people mm-hmm. or white educators. Uh, why? You know, how can they help us push the culture forward? Which is something we're going to kind of talk about later. But you know, let's talk about how we yeah push the culture forward. Yeah. Like, you know, what are some things that that we do yeah. or that we see ourselves doing that that contributes to the culture? Yeah, definitely. I feel like myself as a like uh, a tenth grade teacher in the classroom. That's my role. But now, like for the culture, I run like a black boys group um, at my school. Like I'm like directing that and. I'm doing it for the culture because, well, there's only, like, two black teachers, two black male teachers at the school. Mm-hmm. So me having this space for black men to create openness, vulnerability, and connection with me um, is a way of doing it for the culture because, like, it's a space for just us to hash out and talk about talk about things, mm-hmm. or, you know? And what I'm trying to do, too, to do it for the culture as well, too, is to invite my friends um, that, that, that are um, men of color into the classroom to show up for these men who they never even seen before, these young men, because, like, they deserve to be seen as well, mm-hmm. right? And, like, how awesome would it be to, like, they're in school seeing me all day. How about, how about have some other strangers that look like them and come talk to them about relationships, you know, um, mental health, mm-hmm. and all of those things. So, like, I'm doing it for the culture by, like, stepping out of my role, quote-unquote role as a teacher, teach this content in English, and then developing connections with young men um, in a in a space that I created like every Wednesday. Absolutely. Uh, for you know, for me, I think all the work that I do is for the culture. You know, my, my research interests, um, me working in in, in, in schools, K through twelve schools, and as a as a teacher educator at, at this point, like I, I really chose to be a teacher educator because. I feel that there are not many people, many educators who are prepared to, to teach black and brown students or in, in urban settings, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, my, my main objective being a teacher educator is, like, you know, how can I prepare all types of educators to be effective in, in spaces so they can create better opportunities and better experiences for our young people in schools? Yeah. And I hear that. I, I think that 
for the culture is also making education sexy. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Making education something that is something to aspire to for our young um, brown boys and girls. And, you know, I'm thinking about even myself. I, f- I feel like I carry for the culture when I walk into, like, the central office at the Department of Education. I remember one time I was just rocking a pair of all-red Adidas Samoas. And, you know, the rest of my outfit was, you know, proper attire, whatever you want to call it. And I walked into the office and... And, you know, individuals would come up to me and be like, yo, I love your shoes. Like, <laughs> like yo, I, I would, I, like, I've always wanted to wear shoes here. I'm like, why don't you wear shoes? shoes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we've all been conditioned to think that there's one demeanor, one way of existing in the world that is considered scholarly or is considered, you know, um, to, to aspire to. And I feel like by having these mindsets by having these like resources and experiences that we've had and still being able to rock a little bit of swag and have you know what I mean like it's it's reinventing that you can prioritize certain things and still exist within you know these scholarly spaces and then also I'm thinking about the schools that that we work with some of the things that you know when, when we have conversations around culturally responsive education sometimes it it stays as something that's in the clouds like a theory that teachers want like you know, tangible examples of. And two of the examples that I was thinking of that that came up recently was one history class. The norm of the history class is to examine history from the perspective of the non-dominant within the situation and something as simple as that will allow for students to have you know just kind of a nuance because they're tired of learning about you know this eurocentric kind of approach to history a word yeah (laughs) and then another another school that we're working with is in, in the international schools network and you know they one of the things that they're doing is examining as a staff the ways in which they may have made assumptions around what the experience of international students are in a school environment. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of made their school policy, and they, you know, um, they, they've had conversations amongst the staff without necessarily bringing the students in and, like, actually seeing what their experience was like. Mm-hmm. And so having those, being willing to be vulnerable and being willing to say, yo, I've been teaching for 20 years, and I still don't necessarily understand these students because culture is ever-changing, yeah. you know? I feel like also, like, collectively, our podcast, The Educator Brothers, itself is for the culture the fact that we have like three black men who are um talking about education in a a field where we are not widely represented and coming from different backgrounds teacher collegiate within the system um as well how are you gonna classify me as within the system yo he's within the system i'm a cog i'm not a cog but you you know you machine bro you you are internally you are you are you are internally disrupting the system yeah you're like neo bro yeah, it's gonna come. <laughs> I'll take but that. Yeah, I'll take that. But on a real, but I, th- I think the podcast is definitely doing that work itself. Like, and I, I, it, at certain times, I feel like us, like me as a black man, like in a classroom, my experience is doing it for the culture. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder too, right? Like the podcast, yes, too, but like the podcast is speaking to many listeners, right? Who are also going to be then thinking about. What does it mean to teach yep. for the culture? What does it mean to be my and, and, and what is, not in the classroom? But also, what does it mean to be my off? Even if it's an office job, what does it mean to be just like for the culture at my office job or your Thanksgiving table? Mm. You know, what does it mean to be to drive the culture forward? Um, when my, my when a family member says X, Y, and Z, because right, right. it, it doesn't have to be like like Kaepernick who's doing like match me $10,000 donations mm-hmm. you know with other celebrities like me on a on, on my scale big impact teaching every day 
and being vulnerable with my students is doing it for the culture too. Yep. Just because I'm visible, I'm there. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, so, so what you know, so what how can we encourage teachers, right, who are not a part of the culture, right? How can they contribute to the culture? Like, you know, to the culture of their students. First things first. Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Now, first things first. <laughs> first things first, I feel if you are a teacher who is white, which is 80% of the teaching force currently, if you're speaking about anything regarding the lived experiences of your students without speaking through your positionality within the conversation, yeah. it's too late. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. Actually, if you're, if you're yeah. reading this, <laughs> it's, too, it's too late. <laughs> now, I hear you. But what I hear you also saying is too, like, there's always room to acknowledge, like, your whiteness in the classroom. I think it's actually essential because the same way that you, the same way that that teacher is probably seeing these black students and making assumptions about them because, it, you know, we all carry our own prejudices and biases. And, you know, I think that what is, what is more concerning is an individual denying that they have biases about the environments that mm. they're in. I got stories, bro. You know, yeah. it's, it, what are you trying to hide? Yeah. Like, let's talk about this. Yeah. You need to be vulnerable to, to acknowledge that. I mean, that's one example, too, but I feel like for a teacher, the easy step is, like, you know, like, there's a new semester starting up for, like, New York City schools. It's like, look at your curriculum, mm, yeah. right? Like, for the culture, simply looks like, yo, like, what am I teaching? And, like, not even who I'm teaching it, teaching who has written this literature mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. or like so that, that, like who has written it is it all is it all men mm-hmm. is it all women mm-hmm. is it all like white men is it, is it all skewed from one different res- from one different source that's one example i'm also thinking like when it comes to like if it's your vocabulary right why isn't like are the examples are you using are they are they are they coming from the community Right, mm-hmm. like for example, if you got the word "candid" on your on your on your vocabulary list, find out what ways to communicate to students how "candid" really works. So, for right. example, "candid" means to be straightforward, but for a student, it means keeping it a hundred. Right, right, right. That's for the culture right there. Right. Drawing drawing the parallelism between words they don't know and words they do know. I remember mm-hmm. we talked to Chris before. I was like, "Yo, how do I make vocabulary lit?" He was like, "Yo, tell a kid if you got pressed on the street." Um, by some stranger and was like, yo, tell me what the word um, uh, antibiotic means. Right. And if not, I'm going to rob you. Like, how would you explain it to me? In, in the most simplest way, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, language is about access, right? right? And right. then what I'm trying to say is, like, if you make vocabulary accessible for your students outside the classroom, you're doing it for mm-hmm. the culture, too. Mm-hmm. Make I, I, like, I, I like your phrase, like, making learning sexy, mm-hmm. making education sexy. Yeah, yeah, right, it, right. yeah I mean, the, the whole, the key about education, especially with our brown and black students, like, yo, how do we show our students that edu- being educated and being smart is cool, right, it's right, sexy, right. it's dope? Because, you know, the, the perception is like, yo, I don't want to be a nerd, or like... Or like, no, nah, that's some white shit. Exactly, and like it says, it says like you know talking, you know talking, uh, quote unquote, proper English. Like oh, yo, yeah, now you talking white. It's a whole other yeah, conversation, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But you know, like I think there there are a lot of spaces and opportunities for teachers, especially educators who are not of color and who are of color who are not doing this type of work, um, to really position themselves to, in, in doing this work. Learn, have conversations with your students. Learn about who they are as as, as individuals, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, learn about the culture of your students. Embed yourself. Within that classroom, ask questions. Yeah, yeah. At, period. That's that's the that's that's how you start inquiry, right? If, right, if you right, really right. start, if you're really coming at an entry point where you, you've never done this before, but you're interested, just ask questions, right? I go back to my school all the time. 
and I'm like, I could talk to kids. I taught three years ago, like, how's mom? Mm-hmm. You know, how's the relationship with your father? Because I know, mm-hmm. like, you know, when I, when you had when I had you as a student, yeah, I didn't have the best. You know, like mm-hmm. these are things that I will always remember. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I always ask myself, like, how do I always remember this stuff? Because I forget the, the smallest things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's because I I, I, I genuinely cared. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, it's, it's you got you got to have a genuine interest in your students. If you don't have an interest in your students, then what are you doing in the school? Right. And that that will inform what we were mentioning earlier. Like, if you if you have an understanding of your students, then when you when you're creating your curriculum, you can act proactively yeah. instead of reactively. Reactively. And it's also like, yo, I think like some, I'm thinking about like edits are also talking about like practical steps. I'm thinking of like at the end of your lessons, do a check-in, exit right. slip that says, hey, is this working for you? It's not working for you. Because moving the culture forward or doing for the culture doesn't always mean you gotta, it got to be always culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. It also simply means responding to mm-hmm. the needs of your students. Absolutely. So, for example, if you always, every morning, you make kids do, I don't know, a free write in the morning, mm-hmm. right? And a kid, you could do an exit and be like, how do you guys feel about the free write this morning, um, every morning? Do anonymously. And the kids will tell you, because you ask them a question, yo, I hate it. Mm. I'd rather, rather do that at the end of the day when we did X, Y, and Z. Right. So it's not always about for the culture or moving the culture forward doesn't always mean to be culture responsive, but it's simply it's a response to the needs of all your students as a, as a pedagogue. Yeah. And, and I feel like if you're doing that, what I've been practicing in my classroom is asking kids after class like, yo, did that make sense to you? Did that conversation make sense to you? Mm. Easy the yes or no question. If a kid doesn't know what a noun is, uh, uh, and, they, and they walked out, it is your duty as an educator to revisit what a noun is again Absolutely. and make it work. Right, you right, know? right. Well, we hope that that was a little bit informative in terms of some of the strategies that we can use to, you know, uh, to reach what we're talking about when we say for the culture and how how we can embody it uh, in our everyday. Um, now we're going to move towards our footnotes, you know, which is our our wrap-up thoughts at the end of each episode. Um, so we'll, we'll dive in. You know, my, my footnote would be simple and just that, you know, anybody working in an educational space, right, I, I think you owe it to the, the students in front of you. I think you owe it to the field to position yourself, right, as, as a student or learning about the cultures of your students, even if you don't have brown and black kids in your students and in your classrooms, pardon me, you know, the you know, culture varies, and, mm-hmm. and students. I think I think it's important for us to recognize that students can identify as as, um, as part of multiple cultures, but it's, it's only it's on to it's up to us, and it's, it's it's up to us to like really identify that, and then utilize that to further educate, to further engage, to further inspire our students to be great. My footnote reminded me of the role of the educator, like how you're charged with so much that I feel like once you listen to this podcast, whether you heard it for the culture or not. You are now charged with thinking about what you're going to teach tomorrow mm. and rest of the school year. Like, is what I'm doing, not even if it's transformative, but is it moving the culture forward? Is it moving the classroom forward? Is it moving, like, this student forward? If that student isn't growing, yo, he's moving backward, right? right? So it makes me wonder, right, like, every day as educators, we should be asking ourselves, what am I doing to move the culture or my students or this kid forward. Bouncing off of that, the understanding that 
in this in this journey towards the culture, we're, we're not looking for an end goal. We're not looking for this end destination. We're looking to find ways to allow for the brilliance already existing within these students to be to, to then like access that and show how this content is already applicable to their their lived experience. Because there's so many ways that there is and there's it's just, you know, Anthony DeMello talks about, you know, it's from the oppression of your programming that you need to be liberated in terms of understanding what is the purpose of schooling. These are all, you know, in order to reach what we're talking about, there's a lot of ideological shifts that need to happen in terms of the lens that you approach, the way that you interact with your students. And, you know, there's no way you can't check it off a list. There's no way to take a test and show that you have this lens. It has to come from within. Right. And so as we as we close out. You know, accept accept the lack of closure that you may feel, the questions that are coming up. Send them to, you know, info at threeeducatedbrothers.com. Um, but know that we're all on this journey. We have some have answers, some, you know, in some elements, but we we're all trying to figure it out. And you know what I mean? Join us on this journey. That's what we do. Thank you for listening. Tune in every other Monday to Three Educated Brothers. Again, check the Instagram. Check the fa- Facebook. That's three, the number three at threeeducatedbrothers.com. And as Pat said, hit us in the email for any opportunities, any questions, and feedback at info at threeeducatedbrothers.com. And we out. You just mansplained me. Damn. <laughs> oh, is that right? All right, we gotta close out. Let's talk I about what this. You said better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Pat doesn't identify as a man. And we out. <laughs> <laughs>